Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. What happens when a country allows religion and politics to freely mingle to the point that one controls the other? This was the question raised on our last broadcast that featured a conversation between Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, and Tina Ramirez, founder and president of Hardwired, an international organization dedicated to fighting religious persecution through education and leadership training. They discussed the situation in Nigeria, situated in the vast continent of Africa. Today, we continue listening to that conversation, which was recorded in 2018 in the studios of the Three Angels Broadcasting Network. What they said then is just as relevant and thought-provoking as it is today. The wheels of religious liberty turn slowly at times, but turn they do. Listen to this on-the-ground report of what's taking place in Nigeria with Lincoln Steed and Tina Ramirez. We'd started off talking about Nigeria and Boko Haram and, of course, religious intolerance and even religious terrorism. But it's more than just religion, isn't it? There are many cultural and economic reasons for the instability that's developing there. And you've been pointing out always, and I know your organization, <laughs> education, education. Yeah. And at the root of what we see in Nigeria is really these fears, these underlying fears and misconceptions of the others that are just fueled by people that want to use religion to their own ends. Yeah. But, it, but they're fears. And so, and they fall along religious lines and then they're reinforced. And then the people that make up the communities that are most affected, it happens to happen along religious lines. So it's, it is unfortunate. But to stop that cycle of violence, you have to educate the people. And so that's what Hardwired mm -hmm. does. Just a few months ago, I was in Nigeria, and we were working with a group of 20 leaders. We've chosen one leader from each of the 20 northern states to mm -hmm. start training, and our goal is to establish teams in each of the northern states of leaders that can defend Basically religious freedom. Basically, little cell groups for, Cells, for good. <laughs> but, but diverse groups, so they would include yeah. Muslims and Christians and indigenous leaders, lawyers, as well as religious leaders, so a diverse group. Mm -hmm. And our goal is that we would teach these teams why religious freedom is in their interest, how to defend it. And just in the last few months, in the last year that we've been doing it, it's been really interesting just to learn the lack of awareness of their own laws, mm. uh, lack of awareness of how to, um, how to navigate the laws, how to access justice. You would think people that are naturally interested in these issues would know, but there's simply no information about it. And so these are the first trainings that we've seen in Nigeria to provide that kind of information and resource so that the people don't have to just lay down and take whatever persecution comes. Yeah, well, you told me something that I, I didn't even get it out of reading the news stories, that the Sharia law that's applied in some areas is not mandatory for, mm -hmm. for non-Muslims. Right, and so we have, we have one lawyer that's working in one of the northern states who's great, and he, he went through the training, and then uh, we, we do cycles of training, so they go through it a, a few times to really be able to sustain their own ability to train others in religious mm -hmm. freedom. So during the second training, he came back and he had gone and tested the curriculum and applied it by training others. So we go and we have them test it, you know, to see how they can do it. And then they come back, we try it again. He had done the training with several different groups of other lawyers, one of which included a group of Muslim lawyers in his government job. And when he came back, 
he shared how one of the Muslim lawyers actually invited him to his village to share with the the imam, the leader, the religious leader in his village. And it was the tribal leader that was Muslim. And the tribal leader was so amazed as this as this lawyer was sharing about what religious freedom means and the economic benefits of religious freedom for their community and sharing it in a way that would really resonate with this leader. And the leader said, I've never heard this this information. Where did you learn it? Where can I learn more? Mm. So he said, I'll come back and we can share more. And then this, the leader said, well, is there anything we can do to help you? And the lawyer said, well, there's this church that has property in your village, but the local police won't let us build on it. And they've been harassing us, not letting, allowing us to build. So he figured out who it was, got on the phone and said, I want that to change right now. And it did, they were able to build. So instead of having to go through this huge legal process with the courts, mm. It was one relationship that was made and it changed the situation in a village from one of conflict and intolerance that fuels violence and allows for Boko Haram to feed off of it and to gain access to the power there to one of relationship and breaking down barriers and trust. A positive leavening, if you like, of the, yeah. the whole community with these ideas. And that's what we've seen across the board. So our goal is that in each of these northern states, yeah. we would begin to develop teams that can go and disseminate training on religious freedom and help their communities understand how to interact with one another. And you have big plans, but I'm, I'm presuming yeah. that there are other groups operating there. And I'm hoping that, that many religious liberty and civil rights groups are, are counteracting what's happening. Or is it just you? No, there really isn't a lot happening in Nigeria, no, unfortunately. That's, I mean, that's bad. And I've been following Nigeria for some time. I mentioned we had hearings on it in Congress. We followed it. You know, when there's a big situation like the, like the underwear bomber or the Chibuk girls being attacked, mm all of the attention is on Nigeria, but then within months it dissipates. And so then people turn to another crisis like Iraq or yeah. North Korea or Iran. There's, you take your pick, there's plenty of crises in the world. And so unfortunately, Nigeria has been overlooked many times or overshadowed by other global crises. Um, the humanitarian crises that we've had in the last few years with the refugees. And unfortunately, that means that by ignoring the problem, it's just that climate of impunity continues to get worse. And so the situation has escalated there. But it is an extremely critical country in the region and in the world to pay attention to. It's going to have one of the largest populations in the world in the next 10 to 20 years. Uh, most of that population growth is occurring in the north, in the predominantly Muslim areas. Isn't the so, capital one of the biggest cities in the world? Yeah, and so you can imagine the tensions that this, this is going to create in the future if we don't address these underlying conflicts right now. It, it's only going to get worse. And that could be the next global crisis like what we've seen with ISIS if we don't address it now. So Hardwired recognizes these patterns and these tensions, and we want to work in countries where we see that they're at a critical turning point that we can create change that can be sustainable for the future to avert larger crises. seems to me the world ignores Africa because it's not perceived as central to its right. political stability. Right. But uh, if you ignore it too long, it'll blow up in our face. But why is Nigeria not so important to US interests, say, as Beirut? 
you would think from a people point of view and the influence on other countries, Nigeria would be more worthy of attention. Well, in some ways, Nigeria is a really interesting example of pluralism in the world because you've got such a diverse and vibrant religious society with the Christians and the Muslims there that could really be an example of pluralism and freedom in the world if it was really taken seriously and if it was tended the right way. But right now we just don't see that happening and unfortunately it's ignored. Now I heard, I'll, I'll run something by you. Yeah. I, I have no idea how you'll answer this. <laughs> I heard a, uh, a scholar the other day at some length say that his theory of why many of the world's problems are getting worse and worse is that we don't let conflict work its way out. Mm-hmm. That usually the combatants, whether they're religious or political, they fight till someone's exhausted mm-hmm. and, and the whole point is won and then they go on and rebuild. Where we, when the issue blows up and things are at full tilt, then the UN or some group steps in and we freeze it in place. And the antagonisms and, and everything remain or even get worse. They're just now not allowed to work out. I don't quite buy that view. I mean, it might be experientially true for the world as a whole, but can the alternative of education bypass what he was arguing, the need to just let the violence play out until it's resolved by uh, uh, scorched earth policy, if you like. Right, no, I don't think that works in the world that we live in today with (laughs) terrorism and- And nuclear and all the rest. People that are able to to put extreme fear in the populace in order that, you know, you're not not duking it out on equal playing grounds. That's not what's happening here. So it's, you have situations where communities are terrified by violence and terror groups that are just putting fear in the population and then forcing them to submit to really dictatorial regimes and ultimately a lack of religious freedom. But what we've seen in places like Iraq is that when you ignore the religious root causes of those conflicts, you end up with situations that only recur. They, they just recycle through every you know, decade. And in Nigeria, we've seen that as well. And so in order to really get to those root causes, you've got to begin to educate the populace in a way that changes the mindset of the culture, that changes the culture itself. And that, to shift that, to shift the culture of a population, you really have to work through education in a way that will teach them to value the, the rights and freedoms of one another, overcome their fears, and be willing to live side by side in a way where they actively engage one another. And they're just separate and they, they, they're they forced to be separate. You know, as you said, that, that doesn't work out either. It's not allowing them to fight it out together, but it's enabling them to duke it out in dialogue together or in in active engagement where they're forced to work through their fears and misconceptions of one another or the the intolerance and the the things that are fueling the ideologies that are allowing for for the violence to occur in the first place. There is no question that Boko Haram out of Nigeria has been one of the most fearsome forms of religious terrorism. Ironically, it profits from a sense of anti-education. Literally, it means education or knowledge forbidden, westernization forbidden. But yet when we're dealing about religious liberty, knowledge is vital, an understanding of how God works, what he wants for man, the rights of other people. This we have to learn, even though there's a certain innate yearning toward it. Religious freedom is not forbidden, and it should never be forbidden. And Boko Haram, ISIS, whatever it might be that fights against this, is putting itself against an elemental principle of the universe.
You've been listening to a conversation between Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, and Tina Ramirez, founder and president of Hardwired, an international organization dedicated to the education and leadership training necessary for fighting religious persecution. This was recorded in the studios of the Three Angels Broadcasting Network in 2018 and is just as relevant now as it was then. If you'd like to learn more about this topic and others concerning religious liberty around the world, we have a website for you, libertymagazine.org. There you can read the articles from the magazine, subscribe if you'd like to, also listen to television programs, radio programs, podcasts, and Lincoln Steed's blogs are always fascinating and interesting and educational right there at libertymagazine.org. Check it out. Well, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed and Tina Ramirez inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>